I'm Anthony Cimolino, the Artistic Director of the Stratford Festival, and you're listening to Director's Notes. Enter the creative psyches of this season's directors with Stratfest at Home's latest original podcast. Explore the artistic vision and tireless work behind each production through the eyes of the people who bring the festival's productions to life. This intimate look at our season's plays are the perfect pre-show warm-up and post-show reflection. We wish to honor the ancestral guardians of this land and its waterways, the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, the Wendat, and the Etiwandrock. Today, many Indigenous peoples continue to call this land home and act as its stewards. And this responsibility extends to all peoples to share and care for this land for generations to come. Whether you've already seen the production or you're currently en route, we thank you for listening in. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back. Thanks for seeing Women of the Fur Trade. I know you didn't leave because I didn't make an interval. So you had to sit through the whole play. And I hope you're not sorry. I wish I could actually see your faces as I'm talking to you because it's been such a journey for us. The first day we gathered in that room, they were of course, you know, the company was my people. I had cast people who had worked with me before, people who I knew. There were lots of Saskatchewanians in the room. Jenilee Hyde, Nathan Howe are both former Saskatchewanians. Uh, who were living in Toronto. Kat McLean is in Saskatchewan. Keith Barker and I, and so Keith and Joelle and I had all been artistic directors of Native Earth. Joelle is currently the artistic director of Native Earth. So we were already a kind of a community. And then the way we work is very much in circle. It's very much, my room is always open. And so it changes the vibe a bit. So our first day when we read the play, felt a lot more like family than it normally does on first reads. We all knew each other or we knew of each other and we'd made some effort to make relationships with Stratford people before we did that reading. So it was a hot reading. It was a pretty exciting reading and we were funny. As I said in the pre-show, we were really funny the first week and then I lost track of whether it was funny because of the rehearsal process, which is why at this moment now, I wish I could see your faces because I wanna know how it landed with you. Some people laugh their heads off all the way through, but I've also had people come to me after the show uh, in tears because they were moved by the show. Something opened in them during the show and then they were surprised to find that they were in tears, which is I think a magical thing that theater can do to us. I have to say that being here at the festival has been <laughs> luxurious. In indie theater, we don't have this kind of time. We don't have this kind of resources. We don't have this kind of support to make a show. Okay, so here's an example. We were doing a, a gag one day and one of the actors said, could I have a Slurpee cup? It's in the text about Slurpees in Winnipeg. And I'm like, yeah, that would be a great gag. And then all the actors in the room went, I have a friend in Winnipeg who could mail me a Slurpee cup. I got a friend. And Kat's like, I can call my people in Winnipeg and they can send me a Slurpee cup. Stage management's looking at us kind of askance and they're like, you guys, we, we have a department that can get us a Slurpee cup, but we're all so used to making theater and out of our garages and our kitchens that that part of it has been really luxurious. And the amount of time we've had to work on the play 
all of that has been amazing. My, uh, I like to keep the room open so that anyone who <laughs> can come to the room at any time and pop in and hang out and watch the rehearsal process, especially the people who are working on it, not just the designers, but, you know, wardrobe people, administrative people, marketing people, everyone, because theater's hard. And I think it's important that we keep connected to the thing that we're making, the art, which is why I like to keep the room open. Theater is also not really complete until it has an audience. And I don't like to wait until dress rehearsal or preview before I start having an audience. So having people come all the time to the room and just watch the rehearsal process, that's where I find out if we're still funny. That's where I find out if things are unclear. And not because they tell me anything, but because I can feel them in the room. I can see the show through their eyes in that moment. And we've had guests all the way through the process. Sometimes they're colleagues of mine who are just passing through Stratford who are like, hey, can I come by? And I'm like, room is always open. And sometimes it's staffers, it's administrative people who are like, I, we made that invitation really early to be like, if you want to come and just hang out in the room and do your own work, just so that you can be rubbing up against the art. That's important to me because in theater, for me, theater is relational. In Indigenous worldview, everything is relational. We're all connected. Everything is connected. And so it just feels like it's less bumpy or chunky if we all recognize that we're all in relationship all the way along. And then our move to the stage was really smooth because we were already in relationship with the crew. We had just had the feast the day before we moved to the stage where we all ate together. Everybody brought food. We ate together. We shared stories. We sat with each other. So it's less bumpy moving into the theater. And I think that's important if we're telling stories to, you know, we just keep opening up the circle. So the circle now opens up to the public. Uh, Sam McHugh is the set designer. She gave us such an amazing playground in which to work. So that back wall is curved like the river the Reddish River in Manitoba, where I grew up, which is why it's not a straight fort wall. It represents the fort, but it also talks about the land. And there's everything about our show was reclaimed. Like those are all reclaimed barn boards. You know, the rocking chairs came from stock. Like our show is the reclaim show because there's also a responsibility to the land in us as human beings and in the show. But then we use those barn boards and Sam put this it's like the floor of the fort is breaking down and in the middle of the floor that's breaking down is the mulch that it goes quite deep in that space. So the actors are working on both the floorboards but also the mulch which is like the earth that is kind of reclaiming the fort. And once we knew that we had some depth in the mulch we started burying things in it, uh, cups and saucers and sticks and at one point after the you know here's all the spoilers because this is post-show after um Cecilia's husband and Thomas Scott are killed she is grieving and she lies down and she starts to bury herself in the mulch which the day she did it and it wasn't until we moved to the set shocked the other actors into like into sort of silence because she was suddenly burying herself of course, we always talk about the set being another character in, a, in the piece, but this fort room that Sam has given us does kind of become a metaphor for what we're, what the story is about, which is unearthing histories, unearthing things, or burying things, you know, burying stories. We bury the women's stories, and then we have to unearth them in the telling of women of the fur trade. And 
it's such a juicy metaphor that we couldn't even know until we got into the space and had the set with us. You know, Sam has also given us, there's a massive moon over the fort that is like, I'm a little afraid that the moon is going to get the best mention in the review, you know. But the moon, because it is a, a work of art, both the piece itself and then the lighting that Michelle Ramsey, the lighting designer, has done with the moon is astonishing. You could just sit and watch the moon through the show. But of course, I want you to watch the actors. Um, yeah, it's a really great metaphor that also works literally. The three chairs in the room, in the fort, that is breaking down. Because the play is called Women of the Fur Trade, and the playwright has, you know, in the stage direction, talks about there are men, men everywhere, men, men, all kinds of men, men with hats, men, she names a bunch of men. And so we were like, how do we do that in the tiny little studio space? Like, what real estate am I really willing to give up to a bunch of men, given that the play's called Women of the Fur Trade? And because we were doing a reclaim, recycle, repurpose, production there were all of those there was a lot of frames and portraits in the storage space in the props department that they could pull and so they hung they just pulled them and hung them in the grid so that it does feel like there's men above you looking at you all the time you know there's like portraits there's like Brandon Flowers is up there and Gabrielle Dumont's up there and Oscar Wilde is up there it's like men from every generation sometimes they're paintings sometimes they're photographs but they're there and it's just to remind us of like who has told these stories before and we get to tell a counter narrative really to what those guys in the rafters have told us. And of course, you know, drove Michelle, our lighting designer, crazy to have to light them. How do I light all of these hundreds of paintings or portraits that are hanging in the grid? But it's, you know, it's an important part of the story. If we're going to revision our history, we have to first look at who got to, to write the story. There are a million male, maybe not a million, but it seems to me like a million male uh, deliveries or yeah, throughout the play. And so some of them come from the ceiling, they're dropped. So the crew in there created ways to drop letters from the ceiling. Some of them come on, there's a clown who delivers one. There's an electric car that comes in, a battery operated car that comes in and takes one away. The very first one is, uh, I, and this is sort of a thing I wanted to point out is when we we were making the show in the early days all of us were going to see all the other shows that were on at the festival and so we've actually put in these we call them easter eggs in theater there's a reference to every show that is running in the festival inside women of the fur trade and so here's the first i'll give one which is thomas scott goes and throws a letter out of one of the uh, the windows in the fort and we hear the coconuts clip clop clip clop we hear it's the pony express and that's our nod to spamalot so every show that we've all seen, we've included something to reference it for the audience because again, everything is connected. The biggest sort of learning for me here, and I knew it coming in and I, and I knew I would have to meet it in some way, is the fact that because of the size of the festival and the resources of the festival, there is a sense of siloing. And so <laughs> in the first week they were doing costume fittings, fittings, and I was like, okay, great. Let's just plan the fittings for that day and I'll just go. And I got down to wardrobe and everyone was looking at me like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I wanted to see the fittings. And they're like, directors normally don't come here. And I'm like, oh, okay, but I 
do because it's all connected, right? So I kept having to learn that over and over again. We also, the set is astonishing. The big wall that Sam McHugh built, but we were working in the rehearsal hall with tape on the floor and there's, it's a curvy set and I knew there were gonna be issues. And so I said like, could we go on a field trip to the shop? And so that was arranged for us. And we went to the shop and again, the shop's like, hey, hi. And we're like, hi, we just came to see the set. And then they were like, great, this is how it works. Did you wanna walk through it? This is how the doors work. And it was, it was just so great. They were excited to have us there we were so excited to be there and so it was so useful to see how the thing was going to work that we could take that information back into the rehearsal hall so everything again it's smooth smoothness right they weren't unhappy to see us there we had to put on safety glasses but that was okay and they were really excited to tell us how it all worked so that was a thing that I think I do feel a little bit like we were a bit of an anomaly at the festival because we kept showing up in places we are women of the fur trade we walked into the shop and Nathan Howe said we're women of the fur trade and the shop guys went okay that was a thing that I keep learning. Also for me yesterday from this podcast, yesterday we saw wardrobe costumes for the first time. And that is like so disorienting to me to be like at this stage of the game, now we're going to introduce costumes because it changes everything. But it's the order that things get done. And so what I have to do over the next week is address some of the issues that arose now that the women are wearing these full skirts and and the men have wigs and hair and stuff. There's a bunch of things to be addressed. So that is a little bit of a square peg round hole thing. Doing a play like this in a practice like this, which is I have an indigenous practice, everything is connected, and we have to fit into this structure that is Stratford Festival. While this is my, you know, my debut directing at Stratford, I have been in relationship with the festival for a number of years. You know, moving backwards from this moment in the, at the beginning of the year, I was here working with the conservatory, with the Birmingham Conservatory, and we did an adaptation of mine, The Birds by Aristophanes, that we did in the rehearsal hall. That was so much fun. It was training, a training exercise, but it was also about letting those players work in a different way, in my way, which is an indigenous practice. Before that, of course, there have been initiatives at Stratford as Stratford moves towards being more inclusive. The Indigenous Director Circle, there were a couple of those. I've been here for those with a bunch of other Indigenous artists in the rooms here. One of my best friends is uh, Kennedy McKinnon, who lives here as a vocal coach. And so, you know, I'm generally here once a year anyway, sitting on Kathy's porch and talking about the festival and going to see shows. So it was not completely alien to me to come here and be here, although it is my first direction here. Whether or not you enjoyed Women on the Fur Trade, you know, everyone experiences theater and story in a different way. So it may not have been your cup of tea, or you may have found it hilarious, or it may have made you cry. I'd encourage you to go look at other plays by Indigenous playwrights, because there's a lot. And, you know, Francis is the, the edge of the next wave. There's a lot of work by Indigenous playwrights that is funny or tragic or illuminating or thought-provoking, and it's all out there. There's a bunch of stuff to look at just so that, you know, this little story that we tell 
that unearths these histories can lead you to other stories and other histories so that we can all start knowing the story of this land together. Thank you.